0: What's going on guys welcome back to another episode of the no rain no rainbows podcast as always it's a pleasure to have you joining us and thank you for taking the time and a special shout out goes to andre subtle subtle solution media for helping to make this podcast possible as always we have a good one teed up for you guys i'm excited to introduce public speaking coach public speaker himself and author peter george joining us on the call peter how you doing
1: I'm doing great, Ted. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing fantastic. It's a wonderful day. Nice and sunny. I just wish it was a little bit warmer out here in North Carolina. But as our listeners get nice and comfortable getting ready to jump into this episode, I want to make sure that you as the guest and the audience have an opportunity to get acquainted and get to know each other before we jump into some of the questions with this episode. So please take the floor and
1: let them know who you are. Well, like you said, my name is Peter George. I'm a public speaker and public speaking coach. I make my living for the most part now by being a coach. And I work with professional speakers, entrepreneurs, authors, and others, whether they're nearby here up in New England, in Rhode Island, or around the world. I have clients that extend as far as Europe and Asia.
0: Nice. Now, one of the very first questions, just to make sure our audience is invested now moving forward, is the importance of public speaking. This is quite possibly one of the most ubiquitous fears amongst people is standing up in front of a group of other people and speaking. So what's the value in it? Why is public speaking so important and what kind of benefits can can one enjoy by having such a skill?
1: Well, I'll defer to Warren Buffett. Everybody knows who Warren Buffett is, the great investor, he tells people, especially college students, that they will be 50% more valuable to themselves and to their companies when they take formal public speaking courses. He understands the fact that you must communicate with others. You can't just speak to them, but you must communicate with them. And that's, there's a difference there. So we communicate with people every day, whether it's a significant other, children, family, whoever it might be all the way up to business, and then maybe even speaking on stage. Most people say, well, I don't speak in public. Yeah, you do. Hmm. Yes, you do. And the more effectively you can do that, the further it will take you, whether that's helping other people or helping yourself.
0: I love that because the benefits far outweigh the risk because so many people go down the rabbit hole of thinking, if I forget what I'm going to say, or I'm going to get embarrassed and let's just kind of cut to the chase. The worst thing that can happen is you, you may be embarrassed for a moment, if that, <laughs> but the benefits far outweigh the risk of embarrassment. And there are so many things that people focus on and kind of pulling back the, the blanket and the curtains a little bit on your past. As someone who coaches public speaking, it's interesting to note that growing up when you were young. You were shy and you mentioned a lisp and a stutter. How does one overcome that and now go to the point where you've spoken in front of over a hundred thousand people in over seven countries and now are teaching others to do the same? What was that journey like? I'm interested to know, I guess, the the gears behind the workings that created our modern day Peter George.
1: Well, it was a grateful dead set. What a long, strange trip it's been. I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island with the Lisp and the Stutter, as you mentioned. And when you're young, you're nine years old growing up in a city, uh, you're liable to be picked on if you have speech impediments. So you learn to do two things fairly well. One is shut up. (laughs) Just don't talk to people. Other than your closest friends, families, and the like. And become fairly proficient in sports because if you were good in sports, you didn't get picked on. And I played baseball, football, and hockey, so I was playing sports year-round and I really didn't get picked on, which was a blessing, but I didn't communicate much either. And it wasn't until I got out of school and went into the corporate world that I found out I had to communicate. As a matter of fact, part of my job was presenting to others. So I had to go get help. First of all, I tried it on my own. And Ted, this goes all the way back to cassette tapes. I was listening to cassette tapes in the car and I was progressing a little bit, but there was no one to tell me if I was doing it right, doing it wrong, could do it better. And then I went for help. First of all, in group training and then in one-to-one coaching. And that made a world of difference in my ability to communicate with others and in my progress as someone in the corporate world and then out on my own as an entrepreneur.
0: Nice. There's something I'm picking up on. You mentioned communicate and a lot of folks, okay, public speaking, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to say some words. But there is a difference between speaking and communicating. And I just I've noticed that that differentiation that you've made, which is why I wanted to address it in terms of, you know, what is the difference between just speaking and actually communicating? And why is it so important to, to lean in more on the latter?
1: Speaking, we all can do. We've been speaking since we were 16 months old. And unfortunately, that sets a lot of us up for failure. We say, I know my job, I know what I'm talking about. I've been speaking since I was a baby. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Unfortunately, that's not true. There's a difference between just uttering words and taking what's in your mind and having another person open up their mind and willingly let you insert your information. Mm. That's communicating. That's helping them. That's benefiting them as opposed to showing up and throwing up, which is what so many of us do whether it's on stage in a corporate presentation or whatever. And I've heard that, Ted, for so many years. I know what I'm talking about, and I have the guts to get up in front of people. I'm good. The Japanese have a word when you have the guts to get up in front of people and you know what you want to say. Do you know what that word is? What's that? Karaoke. <laughs> and how good is karaoke 99% of the time? Mm. Think people, yeah, right? Unless your, your audience has had three beers and a shot, you're no good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And unless you've had three beers in a shot, you're probably no good. So that's what we rely on is the fact that we can speak. That's not necessarily communicating. They're two closely related, but two different things.
0: Something you just said, which was something I made a note of showing up and throwing up and being the fact that you just kind of alluded to it. What is that really? And I'm assuming it's not what you want to do because of the importance on communicating.
1: Yeah it's not what you want to do and if you think of it in a different way if you're in school let's say college would you hand in for your final paper a first draft no you'd go over it numerous times because you want a good grade if you're writing an article for a magazine would you send them the first draft of course not it wouldn't even it wouldn't even be accepted let alone published so why do we think it's okay to get in front of people whether it's 3 10, 100, or 1,000, or whatever it might be, and give them our first draft.
0: Hmm. (laughs) That is so true. Treating that work with the kind of uh, attention to detail and the respect and focus that you really want the audience to take from it, which would lead actually perfectly into my question on preparation and rehearsing. If you want to get ready for, let's say, one of our listeners has a presentation, might be the biggest pitch of their life, or Maybe they're just nervous because they have to get in front of their girlfriend's parents and ask for permission to marry her. They're not sure how they're going to communicate that, right? Public speaking can take on many forms. How can we best prepare, rehearse, and set ourselves up for success?
1: Well, you, you nailed the word right there, or words, prepare and rehearse. Don't just do it. We think people do. We think people just get up and speak, right? You look at great speakers. Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King, John Kennedy, whomever it may might have been, President Obama, President Reagan, great communicators. They rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. We think they just are born that way and they got up there and did it. They rehearsed an awful an awful lot of hours. Steve Jobs put in hundreds of hours before he announced the iPhone and the iPad and the like. And we look at people like that and go, oh, they're brilliant. They can just get, nope, they can't. Look at the best actors in the world. When you see an actor she's up in front on, of the stage in Broadway, that's not her first try. Mm-hmm. Opening night is not her first shot. She is rehearsed by herself. She's rehearsed with others. She's done table reads off the stage. They've done live rehearsals on the stage. They put hours and hours into it because they want to share something with the people who are listening.
0: Yeah. I'm reminded of one of my first mentors in the business of broadcasting who mentioned, you know, he said, the business comes down to two things. Number one is know what you're talking about. Make sure you know what you're talking about and do the work to know your subject matter. And then number two, he said, is trust yourself because so many people, they get frozen of thinking, how could I ever speak for and just for transparency for yourself and for the folks who might not be familiar with broadcasting, for my job, they'll say, okay, hey, you have a minute and 30 seconds to fill or two minutes and 30 seconds to fill for weather. If I ask someone, hey, two minutes and 30 seconds, tell me the forecast, they're going to freak out. They wouldn't right. know what to do. But if I said to someone who's been skateboarding their whole life, or, or maybe one of our listeners has a passion for cooking, and I say, well, all right, you know, talk to me for two minutes about cooking. Talk to me for two minutes about skateboarding. Peter, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a hard time keeping them within the two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) They're just just ramping up in two minutes. Yeah, they're just getting started. It's because they know the subject matter so well. And a lot of us need to do the same kind of attention and preparation and making whatever the presentation will be just as familiar to us as our passions. And because I do think that does shine through to the audience. They can tell if you're just making this up as you go, or they can tell if this is something that is what we would say. Sometimes we, we see folks and we mention, oh, they're in a state of flow. Like It just seems to flow out of them naturally. That's right. And we know when speakers do this. Here's the hard part though, Peter, on the opposite side, we rehearse, we put in all that work, we get up there, we let it flow out to the audience how do we know if it landed? How do we know if we did a good job? Is there any like, yeah, you did it. Or do we just
1: pat ourselves on the back and get them next time? (laughs) Here's how I look at it. If people are telling me I did a good job, I probably didn't. I want to see who they're talking about at the end. If I'm up on stage and I'm done and I'll say, you know, I'll meet you with any further questions out in the lobby or at the bar, whatever it might be and they come up to me and say, Peter, you did a great job, then I missed connecting with them. I didn't serve them well. If they come up to me and say, I never knew that. I'm so glad I learned that. I will implement that tomorrow. And they're saying how I helped them. If they're speaking about them, I've done my job. If they say, hey, Peter, good job. We hear that all the time when someone speaks. Good job. No, probably wasn't. I like that. They have nothing else to say, but Hey, Peter, good job.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, a lot of times we look for the good job. That's yeah. That's what's interesting. We go for, hey, uh, how'd I do? How did I do? Now I'm going to be probably more standing <laughs> back and thinking, all right, what'd you get from that? What'd you think? So some of our listeners might not be able to fathom when they're going to have to get on stage and speak to others. But you mentioned that, yeah, we we are all public speakers, right? but that fear keeps so many people from actually going for it. Right. Or I have on my bucket list. I don't know you're, you're probably going to like this just laughs. She's, she likes to tell people Ted wants to do a stand-up comedy show one day. <laughs> and I'm not talking about filling a full hour. I just want to do a five minute <laughs> open mic night. You know? Nice. <laughs> just a five minute open mic night, some material that I prepared and see if I can get a few laughs. People think I'm crazy for that. Peter. How can someone overcome their fear of public speaking and give themselves some of that confidence to really go for it and start building that skill?
1: Well, one of the things I like to think of and I suggest to people is when you're asked to speak in front of others, when you're given that opportunity, you did not win a lottery to get there. Mm -hmm. You were chosen, selected, asked for a particular reason. You have something to share with others. So look at it that way. You're not there to be the next coming of a great speaker. Don't worry about perfection. Focus on connection. Connect with your audience. Share the information that will help them. Whatever they're there for, whatever that purpose is, whatever benefit they're looking for, share that with them. Take the onus off yourself and focus on the audience. Easier said than done. I get it. But no one has ever died from public speaking. There's not a death certificate anywhere in the world that says cause of death, public speaking. There's a difference between fear and danger. But here's the other thing we forget or don't even realize. Think about when you get really nervous. Let's say public speaking. Your heart rate goes up. You sweat your hands shake, your knees get weak, your blood pressure goes up. If you're light-skinned like me, you can see the blood rise through the throat up into the cheeks, which still happens to me. It's been happening to me since I was eight years old. All of these things happen when you're nervous about public speaking. Now, let's look at what happens when you're excited about something and your adrenaline's flowing. Let's say you're going to jump out of a plane. And you like jumping out of planes. Mm. What happens? Your heart rate goes up. Your blood pressure increases. You get sweaty. Your hands shake. Your knees get a little weak. It's the exact same thing. We label it differently. Mm. So get it in your mind. Mind game. Yes, it is. But get it in your mind that this is exciting. You've been given this opportunity. If you screw up, you screw up. Ted, there's nothing you can come up with that hasn't happened to me speaking in front of others. Nothing. I have done it all. And the greatest thing, Ted, is now that I'm older and I look at it this way, those are my favorite stories. Yeah. If I said to you, Ted, let me tell you the time I nailed it. you go, go, all right. But if I tell you about the time I totally screwed up and how I came back from that, that's an interesting story and probably has a few laughs in it as well. Mm -hmm. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Go out there and try your best. And if someone criticizes you for trying your best, the heck with them. That's their problem, not yours.
0: Yeah, they're limiting themselves. And to (laughs) your point, working in broadcast, I do a lot of school talks. And I love questions from kids because they're some of the most curious, ingenuous questions that you'll get. And without fail, whenever the kids find out that I work in live TV, the one question I always get, have you ever messed up? (laughs) They all want to know. And the answer is yes, I have. And we have... (laughs) I'll share this story. We have a short 30, 40 seconds at the end of our show every morning, and it'll come back from commercial break. It'll open up to me. I give the last look at the forecast and then I go to the anchors. They say, have a great day. And that's the end of our morning show. One day commercial ends, comes out to me. And I'm in a rush because instead of the 40 seconds, we only have about 15, 20 seconds. This is, this is TV pressure behind the scenes. We need to kind of fit it all in. So I'm trying to say one last quick check of your forecast. And I jumble on my words. And I say one quack. And then my anchor on the other side starts going quack, 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 quack. He starts quacking. <laughs> <laughs> and then now everyone in the studio is hunched over laughing. And I just say, it's going to be a great day. Back to you. We toss the to break. And our show ends. Peter, so many folks enjoyed that ending. So many folks were like, oh man, that was, yeah. that was great. That was fun. That was genuine. We, we had a good time. And what was the worst that happened? I messed up. We had a few laughs and everyone actually enjoyed the little, the little flub because it shows that we're human. I think that's right. where we get the connection from.
1: And you have that story to tell for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Because I had the courage. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I look at it this way, Ted, I told both my kids this and well, they're older than you, but when they were growing up, they were both going into the arts. One was in drama. The other is a musician. And their mom said to them, get a nine to five job, whatever that might be. I said to them, follow your dreams, because I believe one of the worst things that can happen in life is you're on your deathbed saying, I wish I had tried. Mm. So for those people who have these self-limiting beliefs and it's holding them back, please, please do not be on your deathbed someday saying, I wish I had tried. Because when it comes to death, nothing else matters. Mm. You could have made a fool out of yourself. You could have made mistakes. But as the old saying goes, and people say it all different ways, the only people who don't make mistakes are those who don't try.
0: Absolutely. Anyone who hasn't made a mistake, hasn't tried anything new yet. Right. I want to ask a question about, well, (laughs) the irony. I want to ask a question about the most question, one of the most questions you get as a public speaking coach. I'm sure a lot of folks probably come to you with different expectations, desires, and hopes with public speaking, but there's, there's still a continued underlying fear there. And it's a similar approach. What's the question that you get? Almost all the time, or the question you get the most from some of your clients that come hoping to get to that next level of public speaking.
1: Question I get, and probably most public speaking coaches get, what do I do with my hands? (laughs) People want to know what they do with the hands. And the answer is whatever you normally do within reason. Mm -hmm. Whatever you normally do, we speak with our hands worldwide. We speak with our hands. We communicate almost as much with our bodies as we do with our mouths. Mm -hmm. Our hands are a big part of that. Stance is a huge part, but our hands are big. And that goes all the way back to the caveman days of I want to know if you have a rock or a spear or a club or whatever in your hand that could harm me. And you want to know the same thing about me. So we communicate with our hands a lot. Even before the verbal communication was around, before we had language, we would use our hands to signal things and show where things were hands meet a lot. So that's a normal question, but what do I do with my hands? And people become so aware of their hands while they're speaking and what they're doing that sometimes they lose concentration. So just use them as you normally would.
0: Don't think about it too much. Just if you're Italian, you might have to bring it down a little bit. I have a lot of friends with the hands. As
1: hand. skinned as I am, I'm Italian. My last <laughs> name is actually Giosa. They changed go. many, many years ago and uh everybody in my family is a little darker than i am i'm the only one in this light but i'm italian and we grew up in a household saying tie our hands together and our mouth closes yeah (laughs) you know because we communicate with our hands and truthfully the only difference i've ever found and portuguese say the same thing and chinese say the same thing most of us say it. most no matter where you're from you speak with your hands and we think it's odd and that we shouldn't but Try to think if someone spoke to you for 30 minutes, an hour, and left their hands at their side the whole time. How would that look?
0: Mm -hmm. That'd be a little awkward.
1: A little (laughs) awkward. Yeah. Or they put their hands in front of them and clasp their hands. Awkward as well. We like to see movement in hands, especially palms. Mm -hmm. So for the people who can see, you'll notice every once in a while, even though I have to bring them up higher than I normally would, I show my palms. Because we communicate with the palms of the hands. For whatever reason, we don't like the back of the hands. Huh. That's why we have backhanded compliment, backhanded slap. We don't find that as attractive. We communicate with open palms. So I'm in the habit of showing my palms every so often. It's, it's not like the statue of Jesus overlooking Rio de Janeiro with the hands way out. It's just where they normally are. You just show the, open them up and show the palms every so often. Huh. We communicate that way and it makes people more comfortable. And that's that's such a natural thing
0: in terms of, of the hard part is public speaking is a very natural thing, but we make it more than it is because as you mentioned, people ask what to do with their hands because once they get in front of people, they are aware of their hands. People get more aware of their words where I've noticed when people either it's a recording on air or they're getting in front on stage they get very nervous about stuttering and jumbling up their words and i asked them how concerned are you, are you about jumbling in, in everyday conversation how concerned are you in in terms of jumbling i said when was the last time you had a conversation with a friend that lasted 10 minutes and neither one of you misspoke it's not natural and we we go for this almost unobtainable goal of being perfect in our delivery When It's just not the case. I just misspoke beforehand. (laughs) And that's just a natural thing. I think that's what pulls people in and makes it more human when you're communicating on a natural level. As we're coming to some of our time here, one of the last questions I wrote down when it came to public speaking is what is one thing that you want our audience members to know that's most important when it comes to public speaking? Because there's so many different realms in which we public speak, as we've mentioned, whether it be a presentation in school, in class, whether <laughs> uh, just recently, a friend of mine who does not look nervous at all crushed the best man speech at my wedding, and right afterwards he goes, "I was so nervous," and everybody's like,
1: "What?" Because
0: <laughs> we had no idea. But Dave, love you. I already know you already had your public speaking <laughs> round, and you're you're done for now. But <laughs> what's something that he should have known beforehand. That's one of the most important things for public speaking that you'd say.
1: First of all, everybody gets nervous. We talked about that. We hit on it, but you have to understand that you can't get rid of the nerves. You can manage the nerves. It's funny. Last night I was watching a 1998 interview with Eric Clapton. I'm an Eric Clapton fan. Mm -hmm. And he was asked by Larry King, when you go out on stage, you don't really get nervous. And he Immediately, he said, "No, I get terrified." Mm-hmm. Now, this is a guy who's considered one of the best ever at what he does, and he gets terrified when he goes out. And he said, "But once I stop playing, I'm good." Know that it happens to everybody. You can't tell me a speaker. I'll go with Mark Twain. Kind of knew what he t- was talking about when it came to speaking. He said there are two types of speakers in the world: those who are nervous and those who are liars. Mm-hmm. And I go along with that. Everybody is nervous to one degree or another and not to go too long with this, but think of before a Super Bowl game, when they interview guys an hour and a half ahead of time, when they can grab them on the sideline and the like, they say, so what do you think about the game coming up? How are you feeling? Well, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. And that's usually the rookie, right? I'm I'm nervous. But after that first hit, it's just another football game. I'll be fine. They speak to the veteran and the veteran says, I'm really excited. But I don't want to be too excited. So after that first hit, I'll be fine. They're just labeling it differently. Everybody is nervous when they want to perform well. Manage those nerves. Don't let them stop you. And don't be afraid of messing up a little bit. You're not going to get around it. I think it
0: was Bear Grylls in an article I read a long time ago, to your point. Someone asked him about being nervous during the show. And he says... You know, when, when I'm nervous, my intuition picks up, my blood pressure raises a little bit, I'm more familiar with my surroundings. And it's just my body preparing myself to execute effectively on what needs to be done. So 100%. <laughs> I love the way he said that. And ever since then, when someone says, are, are you nervous? I said, Yes, I'm nervous. My body is prepared to execute effectively for what's about to happen. And that's all right. nerves are. It's just your body saying, hey, everybody, wake up, be attentive. We have something to do. We want to perform well. And reframing it for folks is, is the perfect way to really take the power back from the nerves, the fear, and everything that would keep you from standing on stage, and kind of using that more as wind behind you to push you out there. Great way to put deliver it.
1: Deliver that. And Ted, you know, it's, it's just when people have it in their mindset of, Being perfect, and again, I don't go for perfection. Go for connection. But beyond that, how can you go wrong when you're there to share and help others? How can you go wrong?
0: That is so true, Peter. Speaking of connecting and sharing, I would love for you to share how folks can connect with you, follow some of your work, learn more from what you do, and for anyone who might be ready whether it be in the year 2022 or in the near future to stand on stage in front of people, or simply maybe it's just a small group and they want to get a little bit of extra coaching there in that realm. How can folks connect with you?
1: Nice and easy. Peter George PeterGeorgePublicSpeaking.com.
0: I love it. And I'll have that link in the show notes for them to click that and get to that destination. Very quick and simple. Peter George. Thank you so much for not just taking the time today, but sharing your expertise with us and helping us all become just a little bit better at public speaking. Thank you, Ted. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And and really quick, I'm going to recap some of the gems that you left along the way for some of our listeners who don't have a pen and paper handy when they listen, whether you're in the car, maybe you're going on a jog or a run. We know that your hands might be full. So I went ahead and did the, the heavy lifting for you. Don't you worry. And jotted down some of the things that Peter said along the way. 50% more valuable. And I I wrote communicate after that because that was one of the first things that we we mentioned because I wanted to set the stage for the importance of public speaking. It's something that's easy for folks to shrug off, say they don't need that skill. They don't public speak. Well, the truth is you become 50% more valuable to your team, to your job, to your environment, to your family. And that's Warren Buffett's words, not mine. He's a very smart man, so I'll take his words over mine. Speak versus communicating. A lot of us speak. Very few of us actually communicate. What is it you're hoping to impart on this person? There's a lot you want to say, but what kind of impact, what kind of information are you hoping to share and drive home for something that they can take with them and move on? Prepare and rehearse. Don't just show up and throw up find out what you're going to say, organize it. And I wish, actually, I'm going to go off course here and add a quick question because I didn't ask this. I thought of it before, Peter, because I noticed there's there's two realms. When I first started working in broadcasting, I had everything written down. I was scripted, but I found when I came off script, I'd throw myself off. And now I work better with bullet points. Is there a right or wrong way to do it? Is it better for some, better for others? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on scripted versus bullet points?
1: Scripted, most people translate that into memorized,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's tough to memorize. It's really tough to memorize. You want to memorize your opening, but that's only a, a sentence or two. You want to memorize your closing because that's only a sentence or two, and they're the two most important parts of a presentation. But other than that, just remember what you want to talk about it and speak at to it. No differently than if your significant other said to you while you're doing the dishes, tell me about that point, and you start speaking about it. That's all you're doing. So script it. You can script it just like a script for a play. Don't translate that into memorizing. Yeah. And then if you want to use something in front of you, notes, and there's nothing wrong with notes, bullet points, just like you said, Ted.
0: I love it. Yeah, thank you. I, I kind of went off kilter. Usually I kind of just wrap up and go, but yeah, I'm glad that you, you were able to answer that for us because I've always kind of been on that fence with scripted versus bullet points, but I would agree with your insight on that. And also don't worry about perfection. Focus on connection. Just kind of playing on the point of scripted versus bullet points. We want it scripted because we want it to be perfect. We want it to be articulate and the exact package that we want to deliver it in. That's not the case. If you know your audience, you know what you want to say, I've had opportunities to actually pull something that's happening in the room and make it personal and unique to the experience and still on point with what I was hoping to deliver. So that is the importance for me, at least, of using the bullet points. And this is exciting. It's not nerve wracking. It's not fear. It's excitement that you're feeling. Reframe it and use it as a motivation to build that skill. And I wish I had tried for any of the listeners out there who has not taken that step to public speak yet, who might still be a little timid, a little shy as somebody who also was shy and timid in their young age, and now is living a complete contrast to that. You would be amazed at what is on the other side of your discomfort. Guys, thank you so much for making it to the end. Thank you again to Peter George for sharing with us. If you got value from this, please share it with a friend. It's the best compliment you can give us. And of course, leave a rating to let us know how we're doing. We only improve when you let us know what areas we can improve in. And of course, if you really love this podcast, you can subscribe to get a new episode each and every single week, and even subscribe to our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month for extra audio from our speakers like Peter and others. Guys, thanks again for making it to the end. And as we always say, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.